0: reading from Colossians chapter 1 verses 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Was that Riley? Good job, buddy. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Hi. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, Welcome to all of you who are here. For those of you who are watching at home or wherever you might be, I'm really glad you could join us. My name is Danny Pierce. I'm the pastor here at Antioch Quincy. Um, And it's always such a pleasure uh, to worship with you guys. I'm really thankful and Thank you, uh, Kelly and and Jonathan. Uh, Great time of worship. Powerful. Just getting a chance to meditate on the on the power of the Lord and the way He saves, the way He reconciles us. Um, Thank you, and thanks, Alex, for praying for Indonesia. Having actually lived through a volcano eruption in Indonesia, uh, I I pray a little differently than I would otherwise if I would just saw that on the news. Um, I would just want to remind everybody about something. Um, happening tonight at eight o'clock. Uh, as many of you know, we have a, uh, a consistent prayer time every Sunday night from eight to nine on Zoom. Uh, many of you are part of that, and we have some people who um, are not able to join us in person on Sunday mornings, uh, and they're usually on that call as well. Tonight, we are having a specific uh, prophetic prayer night focus, and if you don't know what that is, Um, sit down, read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, especially in 14, and then show up and find out. That's that's what I want to encourage you to do. The Zoom link is on the the, uh, email that goes out every week uh, to the church. Uh, It's also the same Zoom link as we used this morning. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So um, it'd be great to see you guys on there. The basic rule of thumb in all those prayer nights is anyone who comes on will get prayed for. So at the very least, you know, uh, someone will pray for you. And tonight, specifically, we're going to ask the Lord to speak to encourage each other, to bring uh, encouragement, comfort, to strengthen us, as it says in His Word. So I want to encourage you guys to, to jump in on that. Okay, I'm going to pray real quick. I know we've prayed a couple times, but um, I feel the need to ask the Lord's help. So, Father in Heaven, we come today. we come today in, in joy and in confidence uh, that You are with us. That you, you weren't waiting for us to do something right this morning. You weren't waiting for us to sing the perfect song or read the perfect scripture or get everything just right, but that your presence is a gift, an unearned gift to us. So presence of God, would you fall on us this morning? Spirit of God, speak to us that what we hear today and what we walk away with is the word of God for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're still, uh, we're in Colossians uh, 1, 21 through 23, and I encourage you to turn there if you have your Bibles, it's also on the bulletin, I think we'll have it on the screen, there it is. Um, And just a reminder before we jump in, of two things that we've discussed already that uh, kind of are the backdrop of this this sermon, this text that we're looking at today. Uh, One is that this is still actually part of an extended time of thanksgiving. Right? If you go back to verse 12, uh, Paul says in talking about a life that is pleasing to the Lord, that involves giving joyful thanks to the Father. And then from there all the way through our text today is, gives you a ton of reasons on why we should be thankful, why we should give joyful thanks to the Father. So that is in the backdrop of everything we're talking about today. Um, and not only that, last week's passage... Uh, We talked about reconciliation on this grand scale, almost like this cosmic scale. The, The creator of all things reconciles all things, this broken, hurting world full of pain and suffering, and yet he reconciles it to himself, right? And so this text is still on that theme of reconciliation, but instead of the big, grand, cosmic scale, it talks about us in our reconciliation, so those two things, things—that the fact that we're still giving thanks, and that our reconciliation is not separate from, but is actually a part of God's giant plan of reconciliation and restoration of his good intention for us. And so we're going to jump in, um, we're going to highlight a few things here. So let's start here. Uh, it starts, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now, uh, there's a connection here of, of, of the mind, right, in your minds, and because of your evil behavior is how the NIV translates it. That's what we're using here. Some other translations say something along the lines of uh, 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 displayed or, or demonstrated by your evil behavior. I'm not exactly sure how it all connects, and it almost doesn't really matter, <laughs> because the bottom line is we are, by nature, alienated from God completely and that is our minds are turned against him our behavior is turned against him which one comes first is it our brain is it our mind is it our is our actions I don't know it's a loop and it's all uh puts us in this alienation this separation from God now and I will say I don't think generally speaking that people see themselves in this way we, we human beings, by and large, don't just if you were to ask the average person on the street, they would not say, oh, yes, I am an enemy of God by nature. Right. Um, part of that is, I would say, is, is perhaps arrogance. Like this. I'm not that bad. Right. We can't be that bad. Or part of it is, um, you know, only the worst of the worst are enemies of God. Right? And you can rattle off if you just ask the average person, you'll get the standard, oh, you know, Hitler's and Stalin's and so on. Um, and we don't think of ourselves as, as it says in another text in Ephesians 2, uh, by nature, we are deserving of wrath, right? Or the text that Kelly read at the very beginning out of Romans 5, that we were. We were enemies of God. So this, this state of alienation, this distance from God, this status of enemy, right? Enemy of God because of our sin. Whether it's in our thoughts whether it's in our actions, but the sin separates us from Him. And I know we all know this stuff, but it's good to hear this again. Uh, And and thankfully, though, this doesn't have to be a permanent state, correct? In, In fact, God Himself provides this way. So this is actually one of my favorite formulations in Scripture. It occurs a few times, either explicitly or sometimes implicitly. Once, but now. Once you were alienated from God. Once you were enemies of God. But now. I really believe that these are some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. Once you were like this. But now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. Right, But now, He has reconciled you, right? he has made, he's made peace um, through the blood that, of Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross between us and God, right, and, and I think this is um, uh, an interesting point that can get overlooked, right, Jesus' blood, his death does not just quote-unquote save us, right, and, and what I mean by that is it doesn't just get us over the line, I'll, I'll explain this more in a second, but it actually goes beyond that is that it is to present us holy and blameless. Right? It, it fits this with this theme that we've already seen from uh, I think back in the first week of this series. Right? This theme that we've already seen that the Gospel, the work of Christ on our behalf is intended to bear fruit. Okay? So, um, I don't want to easily breeze over this because this is I think sometimes what happens. When we think of Uh, At least, I grew up like this. Maybe you grew up in a church like this as well, um, where we talk about things like salvation. And what we mean by that is, there's this line, saved and unsaved, okay? Um, And when you, at least in my church, it was when you prayed the prayer, anybody else, you know, you walk down the aisle and you pray the prayer, you have now crossed over this line from unsaved to saved. You guys, anybody familiar with this, right? Now, I want to be clear. There is truth to this. This is not. I'm not saying that's heretical. But I do think it's incomplete. Or it can be. Um, that is, the, the point of being redeemed, the point of being reconciled to Christ is, yes, to put us in a right relationship with the Father. To get us over the line from outside into inside. But it's not just that. Right? This reconciliation done in Christ, transforms us. So if you think about it this way, it doesn't just get us over the line, but it moves us towards the center, right? That is Jesus, and it makes us more like Him. Jesus, got, and I, actually, I was reading this morning, um, sometimes I'll read ancient writers, Christian writers, preachers, theologians, just to kind of get somebody who's not like me. And I was reading uh, a guy named John Chrysostom. Has anybody ever heard of John Chrysostom? means john the golden mouth which was apparently a compliment um and he made this point that i thought and i'm paraphrasing here but basically he says this Jesus' death does not just set the criminal free it gives him a place of honor you guys get that Jesus' death does not just set the criminal free it gives him a place of honor it doesn't just get us barely over the line and says okay not an enemy anymore It does that and so much more. It transforms us. It changes us. It makes us, as it says here, holy in His sight, without blemish, free from accusation. And I want to just stop and consider for us how this is still good news. right? And again, I, I think some of us may have come from a church background where The gospel is what you preach to uh, unbelievers in hopes that they will become believers. And then once you become a believer, you move on past that, which is not at all biblical. But a lot of us kind of grew up that way. And so we read a passage like this, and it may seem that this passage is primarily about just that initial uh, faith in God. Um, And yet, I would be willing to bet at some point, every person in this room feels that alienation from God, that distance, right? That, that is, uh, at some, it, it varies, right? Sometimes we feel really close to God. Other times we feel distant. We wonder if He's paying attention. We wonder if we've screwed up so bad that He's lifted up His hands and said, forget it, I give up. Okay? And it's varying levels of that I realize. But this passage is still good news, Right? That reconciliation is still in effect. That is, this passage, and others like it, so many of them, the one we read in Romans 5, uh, reminds us God himself initiated this reconciliation. This reconciliation is not just this change of status. right? It transforms us. Because of Christ's death, we are blemish-free. And no one, no one can accuse us. Right? It says we are free from accusation. Whether that's a coworker or a family member who points out something you've done wrong, I thought Christians weren't supposed to get angry. Right? I thought Christians weren't supposed to say those kind of words. Right? Have you guys I mean, you ever heard these things? Okay. Or on a, on a more uh, spiritual attack level, I mean, you know the word Satan, right? We talk about Satan. You know that word literally means accuser. You guys know this? Right, that, that he just, his name is his job. He stands and points his finger and accuses you. Accuses me. You're a sinner. You're not worthy. You're an enemy. What you did last week, what you've done since you were a child, all of this shows that you are unworthy. You are distant from God. right? And he points his finger and accuses and accuses and accuses. And this passage reminds us It's brutally honest. Yes, in fact, I was once an enemy of God. And I was once alienated from him. But now, you get that? But now I've been reconciled. We are free from accusation. You can't even successfully accuse yourself. Okay, I am my own chief accuser. Some of you in this room are probably like that as well. I will point the finger at myself and accuse myself of all sorts of things, of not living up to the standard I know I'm supposed to live up to. Uh, I I can go down the list of all of my failures in life and I will be the first to do it. And people like me and some of you in this room need to know that you are free from your own accusations. You have been transformed. Whether you feel like it or not, this passage tells us it has happened. I said this a, a few weeks ago. and It's, it's worth repeating. Right? What is the, 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 the destination God has for us? What's the destiny? What's the goal? What's the result of His, his work? It's that one day we would stand before Him holy, blameless, pure, mature, Transformed into the image of Christ. And He Himself is doing this. He has done it and He is working His 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 reconciliation all the way through. Okay. But there's a a third part to this. Right. We we can't overlook this this final verse. And and actually, in my mind, it might be the most difficult um, to wrestle with. And I'll explain why here in a second. Uh, So we had a once, we had a but now. And now we have an if. If. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the Gospel. Okay, these two things, I think, if you continue in the faith and do not move from the hope held out in the Gospel, those are connected. I'm not going to try to um, figure out how they're different. Um, But this if is heavy. Okay? I, I actually find the if slightly terrifying. Um, but I do want to point out, let's, let's get a couple of things clear here. Uh, uh, some of you guys might remember this. I've said this when I've preached in the past. Of, uh, I, I, play, I play games. I said one game last week when I was reading scripture. And I do another one. It's called What the Bible Doesn't Say. You remember this? What the Bible Doesn't Say. This is what it does not say. Right? Once you were enemies, now you're reconciled if you follow all these certain rules. Right? If you live up to these expectations. If you read through the rest of Colossians and do everything it says to do perfectly, right? It doesn't say that. It says, if you continue in the faith, if you cling to the hope of the gospel, right? That is in the gospel, what God has done in Christ, it is by faith that we receive the benefits of Christ's work, right? It is the hope. We talked about this back in verse, was it four or five? It is the hope of the Gospel that brings forth faith and love. These are the things that cause us to live holy lives. Do you understand the difference? It's not if you do all the right things. It's if you cling. If you cling to what Christ has done for you. All the rule following, everything that that's intended to bring into your life, that'll come, but it doesn't start there. It starts with faith and hope clinging to what Christ has done for us so the if is scary for me because if usually means that there's an if not right and this gets into some really fun theological debates which we're not going to do today Um, and I I can try to explain uh, some of the different debates and and where I stand on this and and all that Um, but I actually think that can miss the force the force of this word if, because I actually think that if is intended to kind of make you shudder a little bit. Right? If we continue in the faith. If we hold on to the hope. Right? But here's the thing. God Himself, the Father, He has been the subject of all these great verbs going back to the beginning of this series that we started. Right? God Himself supplies the power. God himself gives us the capability, right? He's the one who sets this goal out of holiness and blamelessness, and he's the one who makes it happen. We're not called to being passive, but we are called to faith, and we are called to hope. Everything he requires us to do, I've already said it in this series, but I'll say it again, everything he asks us to do, he gives us the the power to do it, and we receive it by faith. That's why this text tells us, you are reconciled if you hold on to the faith. Because it's by faith that God gives us this power to do what he's calling us to do and to be who he has called us to be. So let's um, let's try to pull back and and look at these verses again in context. I mentioned earlier, this is part of an extended thanksgiving. We're going back to verse 12. Verse 12. Just look at some of the things, and I encourage you later, either today or this week, go back and reread this chapter, and just make note of all the things that God has done for us. What has the Father done, right? And just starting in verse 12, He has qualified us to receive an inheritance among His people. He has uh, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of light. He He has reconciled all things to Himself in Christ. And in Christ, He has reconciled us to Him. These are all good reasons to give thanks. Right? If you do that once but now paradigm that we've talked about. Once, going back to verse 12, we were in the kingdom of darkness. We were a part of this broken world with pain and suffering. Once we were alienated from God. Once we were enemies of God. But now, now we've been included in His people. We have been adopted into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his own son. Right? Once, uh, or Now we have redemption, we have forgiveness of sins, we have reconciliation, and he is the one who makes this happen. He initiated it. He brought forgiveness. He accomplishes it in Christ. And he gives us what we need to be faithful and to be fruitful in him. Our our reconciliation with God is accomplished entirely through Christ's death, even though we are entirely responsible for our alienation from him, for our sin. And this reconciliation is a part of this great plan to reconcile all things to himself and to restore. And so uh, Kelly and, and Jonathan can come up. We're... We're going to respond today. Uh, We're going to take communion. Um, Before we we pass out the elements, before we sing, I I just want to explain. Um, I want to encourage you, as we're about to take this, to think through what we just talked about of the once but now. What was once true of your life, and what is now true by what Christ has done for you? And, and so we're going to celebrate and, and, uh, with an attitude of thanksgiving. When we're taking this today, this is a time of thanksgiving. We are remembering what Christ has done for us on the cross, how he has not just changed our status of separate from God, but now uh, close, but he is transforming us.